0: Let's Cover That podcast is brought to you by CMF Group, professional liability services for over 200 healthcare professions. Visit our website at cmfgroup.com slash podcast for more info.
1: Hey everybody, it's Will Sullivan again with another episode of Let's Cover That with my co-host
0: Antonina Agruza. And today we have with us Brian Gallagher, who's a physical therapist and the founder and CEO of Meg Business Management. Brian, thanks for joining us on the podcast today.
2: Oh, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you so much for thinking of me.
0: Yes, of course. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about how you got into physical therapy and how that journey led you to Meg business.
2: Oh, that's an interesting story. I'll keep it brief, though. I originally thought I was going to become a professional soccer player, to be honest with you. I was playing soccer all over and went to Europe and played and came back and thought that's the way it was going to go. And um, unfortunately, I got hit in the eye with a soccer ball. I lost the sight in my left eye. And I fully recovered from that, but nobody would pick me up after that. So I applied into school and went in as a biology slash pre-med major. And after about a year of that, I said, man, physical therapy looks like a lot more fun. It's just so much more fun. People are running, hopping, jumping, playing in the gym, doing all this kind of physical stuff. And I just was like, that's more my speed. I think I'm gonna switch over to that. And I also concluded in my own mind, like, you know, physicians do one of three things. They're either gonna cut you open, send you for a test or give you a drug. I don't think there's a doctor on planet earth that does anything else. And I said, I don't wanna spend the rest of my life doing that. So long story short, I graduated in 92 absolutely loved physical therapy, came out of school, did 33 con ed courses in my first three years out of PT school. The average person does two a year. I just wanted to be the absolute best manual therapist I could. But then my wife and I, who's also a PT, she's like a walking genius. She's like the greatest decision of my life was marrying my wife. And we started our practice out of third bedroom of our house as a staffing company. And then we opened our first bricks and mortar clinic and then our second clinic. And at that point in time, I realized I had spent all of this time trying to be the best clinician i could be but i didn't do anything in terms of time or money or investment in myself as a ceo or a cfo or a recruiting officer or personnel manager or billing leader or you know any of those things like physical therapy school just equips us for being a staff physical therapist For those of us who are just blissfully discontent and we wanna go to the next chapter in our professional career, whether it be clinical director, manager or owner, you really have to go back and and get the training for that. And an MBA program is not the answer. I can tell you I've met my fair share of MBAs. It's great. It's good school, good to learn macroeconomics, microeconomics and geopolitical stuff, but it does nothing for you in physical therapy success. So that's where Meg was born. I was starting to work with a company, trying to be a consultant, if you will. And I realized the, 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 engineering into the consultant world is you get a big check, you give a bunch of information, you're on to the next city, you get another big check, you give another information, a bunch of information you're on the next city, or you, you do one client at a time. And I just didn't want to do that. So Meg was born out of my genuine uh, commitment to the physical therapy model of, let's evaluate the situation, let's create a plan of care, and let's help facilitate that person to reach and attain their goals. And Meg started in 2006, and now we do billing, credentialing, coaching, and we are soon to be releasing in the next 30 days, our virtual front desk. So there's my <laughs> three minute or less uh, summary.
1: That's amazing. So so when you started, Meg, what was the first one that you hit on out, out of like that whole slew of items that you're doing and, and where you are now? What was the first one that you felt You know, Okay, the MBA is not going to do this with macroeconomics, but this is going to help you as a physical therapist, trained in school, ready to do the manual therapy, but not necessarily to be like a C-suite person starting your business. What was the first one you felt would get the most bite as you guys began your business?
2: Well, you know, it's kind of like business 101 is find a need and fill it, right? If you go to any business school and you're looking to start a business, find a need and fill it. So I just stepped back as a practice owner myself, which gave me a very unique position. um, I had been consulting for a, a few years by this point in 2006, and I was able to quickly identify, which I think is still true today. If you're a startup practice owner, you're most worried about that which you don't know. I don't know anything about billing. I don't know anything about insurance verifications, authorizations, patient registration. I don't know anything about personnel management and what's a goes in a personnel file. How do I build a Medicare compliant program and the 18 different audits? I just don't know how to be a CEO and CFO. So I said to myself, well, let me help coach people on how to bring about agreement, how to communicate with affinity and likeness and how to actually understand the non-clinical aspect of private practice. So I think that's what really stimulated it for me. And it was simple as this, Will. You know, I was having dinner with my wife and I was telling her I was frustrated because I would go and and do all this training with somebody and then leave. And then they would text me or call me and I would follow up with them and I'm like, Oh my gosh, they need so much. They need a coach. And my wife's like, well, what's the difference? I said, well, a coach is one who participates with you side by side and enables you to perform at a level that you would not otherwise perform at if left to your own accord. A consultant just gives you bright ideas and gives you materials and then leaves and then you're left to your own accord. So my wife's like, well, then you should do that. And I, and I, you know i'm sitting there at the dinner table and i thought to myself well if i do that i have to be one on one with each person just like we treat a patient I wouldn't dare lay my hands on a patient and try to treat that ACL or that rotator cuff issue if I didn't do an evaluation, make my problem list, and then design a plan of care based on these problems, based on this person's demographic, age, weight, height, you know, physical fitness, based on these findings, I'm gonna map out this plan of care and follow this journey to get them to full recovery. So I said, that's what we need to do for private practices. That's what we need to do to launch a startup. That's what we need to do for an existing practice. And my wife's just sitting there eating her salad she's like, you should do that. And that was it. You know, William, Meg was born after that. I said, okay, I'm going to fly around the country and I'm going to have one practice owner at a time. And, you know, 10 years later, after being in over 500 offices, um, I learned a lot. (laughs) I learned a lot.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Um, So Brian, you gave us a really great quick overview of what Meg business is, but can you give us more of an in-depth, what, a person or a PT clinic that signs on with your platform today, what does that look like for them? What are the steps that they take, and What is the impact that it is having on their clinic?
2: All right. So that's a great question, actually. There's two types of publics that reach out to us for Meg Academy and the coaching. It's the startup owner, somebody who's a clinical director, or they're fresh out of school, or they've been three years or less, or five years or whenever. Well, we have a 21 to 27 step process to actually launch them into successful ownership as a startup practice owner. Because as you might know and recall the statistics, 85% of all new businesses launched fail in the first two years and 85% of those that make it through two years fail in the first five. We've been launching startups all the way back to 2006, 2007 and we've never had a startup fail. We've never ever had a startup. I've done 28 startups in the last 18 months. We've never had a startup fail because we know what sequence the actions that they have to take and and what amount of time they should spend on each step and how much money and effort it should require. So we've got that side of it pretty dialed in. The other side, the other public is the existing practice owner. Now I take owners, that have one office and last week I was working with somebody in Tennessee that has 12 locations. I've been invited to work with people who have 400 locations. That's a different beast. That's more your typical PT type of thing where i got to evaluate where they are, where they want to be, how they have to get there, and what's standing in their way. So how does Meg actually do that in a way that creates the high level of success that we have? My podcast is Physical Therapy, Private Practice, Secrets of the Top 10%. And I mentioned that title, Secrets of the Top 10%, Because when we won practice of the year in 2011, I was able to judge the next five years of practice of the years, and I highlighted the common denominators. I took all of that along with all of my travels, 150 days on a plane a year, every year for 10 years, flying in and out of all these offices. I took all that experience, winning practice of the year, evaluating the top 10, And I built out this platform and I realized it needed to have three major components to answer your question specifically, why is it succeed? It has educational training, which results in skill development. It has live 24 seven coaching where PTs are helping PTs through our Slack channel and they have access to me and all my coaches anytime they want, no extra charge, nothing like that. And it includes our virtual training platform with our file vault with all of my documents, my policy and procedure manual, compliance documents, status sheets, every record you could possibly want to get your hands on. You do not have to recreate the wheel. You pirate everything. So you have all the training, all the knowledge, all the coaching, and all the materials given to you in a step-by-step manner. And I think the step-by-step part is really important because people tend to go out sequence in the way they want to apply things.
1: Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, just as a side comment with like startups, have you found there's a common denominator on the type of personality? So if you're talking to physical therapists in a room and, you know, they have it under consideration, you know, stay where I'm at in this, you know, geriatric hospital, you know, kind of assisting people with strokes and kind of coming back into the world. Or if you have somebody who wants to get into athletics more and kind of focus on that with an orthopedic group and kind of, you know, jump off on their own. Is there a common denominator for the type of physical therapist, their mentality that wants to do this and you find the most success with?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's two questions in one. Are there different types of owners, right? And there's four different types of owners and I'll, I'll explain that. But before I do that, there is a common genetic, I don't know, thread, if you will, that really makes up the type of individual who's gonna be, have a greater advantage at succeeding in private practice. Number one, they're not risk adverse, right? They're not trying to play it safe. If you're going to leave your job and start a private practice, I don't care if it's hybrid, cash model, insurance model, mobile PT, doesn't really matter. We help everybody in every you know shape or form that they wanna go into business for. But it's because they're sitting there at their job right now And they're saying to yourself, you know, I like being a therapist, I'm blissful, I'm happy what I'm doing, I'm helping others, I'm I'm applying my skills and my training. But there's just this degree of discontent, and I like to call it blissfully discontent. Some people love, and they don't ever think about leaving, and they'll stay the 20, 30 years. My college roommate, same job as when he got out of school 30 years ago, never left. Same outpatient hospital facility, and I think he's happy as a lark. He, He has no business going into private practice but there's those of us who are just a little entrepreneurial in spirit we just think of things that we want to do differently we want to we want to have the steering wheel in our own hands so when you're a startup practice owner if you're that if you have that DNA where you're blissfully discontent you feel that you need to be more at cause less you know the passenger more the driver and you have a vision that you're just committed to that you can see clearly of how you want to create a culture in in a, in a manner that you want to give back more than you take. And that's, again, one of the most common denominators, William, like you asked, that makes people successful. Give more in value than you ever expect in return if you go into business with that thought and idea. And I've worked with you guys for several, I mean, I've mentioned you guys to so many owners because there was a big Goliath doing similar work in your industry. And I felt like They didn't care. You know, they were just like, this is it. This is what we charge. This is how we help people. But you guys were like, no, how do we help the little guy? How do we help the medium sized guy? How do we help the large guy? So giving more in value than you expect in return, that's another common denominator to a very successful owner. So I look at that somebody who's blissfully discontent, they're not risk adverse. They're willing to go the extra mile and they're willing to put in more value than they expect in return. If they have that, then they usually fall into one of four buckets. Either they're the know-it-all owner, which is not so great because you're not open to learning new things because you kind of tend to think, hey, I know everything there is no about this, so why should I open my thought process to something new? There is the innocent owner, the one that just kind of fell into it, it fell into their lap, you know, and they're like, I don't know hardly anything, but you know, they can learn because they know there's so much they don't know. Then there's the caregiver owner, which is really kind of troublesome because they're like putting the patient for first and everybody puts the patient first, but they're putting their clinical aspect of the business so far forward that they can't make it ends meet. They can't make a profit. They, they think profit is a dirty word. They, 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 th- they equate that with greed and I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. You can't be a private practice business owner, as a PT, first and foremost, who happens to be an owner. You have to be a business CEO who happens to be a PT. You have to reverse that mindset. And then the last and the most successful type out of the four types, is the go-getter, you know, the go-getter owner, the one that's a go-giver, you know, if you've ever read that book by uh, John David Mann and Michael Berg, such a great book and just giving more than you ever expect. And that person is like, I'll go to the end of the earth to learn what I don't know. I will go the extra mile, I don't care what it takes, but I'm not gonna be a martyr either. They have integrity and and, and self-respect and those people do great, really good.
0: Brian, those are all really amazing points. As we get ready to wrap up this episode, we've had a wonderful time with you. Is there anything else that you'd love to share with our listeners before we wrap up?
2: I would love to share, you know, I could go into logistics all day and we could talk about mechanics all day. And and I think that's what people kind of get hung up on, but I wanna say this to everybody who's listening. It's about the beingness. It's about you and in your heart and in your soul and in your mind. What do you envision for yourself? Because I often say on my podcast, the whole reason why I get up every day is to help as many people as possible live the life that they've envisioned for themselves in private practice. If that means you wanna be a better manager, a better clinical director, I can help with that. If that means you wanna own your own bricks and mortar or your own mobile PT practice, I can. But all of that is just logistics. Be true to yourself. Be true to your spirit and your family and, and your, your 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 abilities. Don't sell yourself short because of fear or because of risk aversion or because of the economy or because of anything you see on the news. Live your life to the fullest and go for it. This look, you can open ninety-nine point nine percent of all the practices that I open up are between thirty-five and hundred thousand dollars. You buy people buy cars more expensive than that. You're not risking anything, but you're delaying your success in life by not doing what your heart is telling you you're meant to do. So I would like to leave people with have that degree of self-assurance, have that self-worth, and and be honest with your spouse or your significant other about who you are. And what you're meant to be. And then just fill yourself with the knowledge, the training and the skills, the tools to do it. That's all I'm offering you is the knowledge, training and tools to do it with. You bring the beingness, we'll bring the logistics. And if it's not us, then find somebody else. But whatever it is, live your life to the fullest. That's my big message to people. I think people today are settling and they should not be.
0: Thanks, Brian. Yeah, super, super valuable.
2: Great. Yeah,
1: love love it, Brian. Thank you so much for hopping on. And that's another episode. Let's cover that. Thank you so much.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful for you guys allowing me to be here today. Thank you.
0: As are we. Take care.